Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what, I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it because when, you, when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people. Right. You want people to care. You want, you want to strike emotions. And I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions. Can you yep. imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally <laughs> imagine that. You I'm sure somebody's written that one pounder with cheese in France, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Boy, ale with cheese, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see. I, I, would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw, sacrifice that my... my progeny to you of a mighty marvel beast <laughs> <laughs> but neil adams is somewhere going mm, it's, it's my time uh, <laughs> how do you measure success <laughs> dramatic pause <laughs> dramatic pause can't hear you dave <laughs> this is typically superhero speak i don't know what's going on with dave he seems to be stuck well, Welcome to well, Superhero Speak. That's Dave. I'm John. I'm JD. Dave's the guy doing this, who seems to be frozen in time. And I'm, and I'm doing this. I'm going to blame it on the cat. I don't know what's happening, but it's the cat's fault. It's probably the uh, cat's fault. Obviously. We've been doing this show for six years, and none of us know. I've been doing this show for six years. You guys have been doing it for 10. You don't. We, none of us know how to start the show except for Dave. This is what <laughs> happens when you fall into routines. <laughs> and I'm the one who shows up with one minute left till the show starts, and he always gives me crap about it. But I'm up here, and my mic works just fine. <laughs> As does oh. mine. John, oh, we have a guest today, Danny J. Quick. Thanks for joining yes, us, Yes, we man. do. Nice. Hey, thanks for, thank you for having me. This always happens when I come on people's shows. There's always technical difficulties right at the beginning. So this is probably my fault. I don't know how, but it's my fault. I'm going to blame you because we're typically a pretty oiled machine. Stuff <laughs> usually works around here, especially with Dave. He's the captain of the ship, and this ain't working. So I'll just go through. Dave, are you working? Nope. John, how was your week? We'll get started there. My week. I had a three-day weekend because of the holiday today, Memorial Day. Um, and uh, and now it's getting worse. It's getting hotter. <laughs> No, I, yeah, just, it's been, it's just been a week, pretty much. I'm still training three new people at work. I'm, oh, I am trying to, I'm once again attempting to get through One Piece. Now, for those of you who don't, yeah, for those of you who don't know, One Piece has been going on for decades. <laughs> there are over 1,100 episodes. I'm at episode 206, and the reason why I stopped was because it is the, According to somebody at work who also knows anime, it is the worst arc you've ever heard of. And I think I polished off three shots last night getting through two episodes of this arc. But I only have a couple more episodes to go. And then it starts, according to this person at work, really good stuff. So we'll see what happens. Calling it One Piece is like a bit of irony because it's far from it. It, it's It's one of the top, it's like one of the top three anime. Like it's one of the ones that, Danny, you, I guess you've heard of One Piece. Oh, yeah. No, I've heard of it. I wouldn't dare try to. <laughs> I wouldn't dare try. To. I'm 38 years old now. I'd be 58 by the time I finished it. I'd be uh, lucky to finish it by the time you, we get to the heat death of the sun because it's <laughs> because they're still making episodes. The, the yeah. And the manga it's based on hasn't finished yet. 
Yeah, that's that's for that's us us superhero fans, us comic book fans can find that, but we're not making anime based on Superman. Like Superman has had various TV shows and different follow. There we go. We can hear you now. <laughs> Superman Welcome from back. issue one to one thousand. That would be ridiculous. I will say this though. Comic book writers could take a couple of notes off of Ichiro, was it Ichiro Oda, writer of One Piece. He is the master of the last minute save. <laughs> like he he gets you really, first off, he's got villains that you can really hate, which is something that is missing. Like you really viscerally hate these people. It's something that's missing in a lot of comics these days. It's just villain of the week. And the other thing is like the last minute, oh, pulling our ass out of the fire, here comes out of nowhere or whatever so anyway hi dave how you doing uh, we were having a conversation right before the podcast started i don't know why my mic decided oh i'm not gonna work for it right now you know what um, it, there, it's mysterious that at the very same time your mic stopped working your cat that's true too that's <laughs> bitch <laughs> yeah so obviously we didn't properly introduce we have a guest this week <laughs> uh, oh, female dogs are bitches female cats are queens that's official. That's the actual name. Is that, is that real? Is that a real <laughs> yeah. thing? Yep. I, you would know a, that. I'm not a cat lover, so I, I just, I'll stay out of the cat conversation. I, I don't love cats either. It's just the toxoplasmosis that's got me. Hater of Ace Blade, of course. It fits right in, so this is working out great. Danny J. Quick, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing great. I feel like part of the team. I feel like I've been here before. So, no, thank you. Thank y'all for having me so much. I'm ready, man. I love talking comics, so. I'm down for it. Yeah, I've been actually watching you on social media for a while. I think I first actually saw you on Instagram. And it's just, I'm like, yeah, this is a guy that that gets it. Like, he loves the medium. Not only does he create the comics, he loves comics. You're supporting other independent creators. It's great. And it's just, this is a guy I want to get on the show and talk to. No, yeah. th- no, thank you. I started following y'all. I started following you recently. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get both of y'all and follow both of y'all too. Because like I, I've been watching the YouTube um, for a couple of weeks now, and y'all just know comic books, and I just love. I I did not grow up reading comics. I'm always interested in the stuff that happened before I started reading comics. Everything before World War Hulk got me into actually reading comics. Okay. But like the every TV show and animated series that was available as I was growing up, every I was a little kid in 1985, I watched all of it. So every bit of anything that was on TV, I saw it. But the actual comics, I didn't start reading until until I got my first job and could buy my own comic books. Yeah, World War Hulk. That's early 2000, 2008. Yeah. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good read. I think. Uh, wait, so you. Did you go back and read Planet Hulk that led up to World War Hulk? Or Yes, yes, okay. absolutely. The, all the connective tissue there. I was so interested in, I don't know what it was at the time, just I, the, the thought of Hulk, everybody fighting the Hulk, like <laughs> just the thought of Hulk versus everybody was like, yo, I got to read this. I got to check it out. And it was like this huge event at the time. And I was actually, I was in the military. I was about to be deployed to Iraq. I was just, I was like, I need to followed the series. So I just bought the books up until I left. And when I got back, I picked it. I went back and found the issues that I missed and everything. But it was my start in the comic books. That's a good run, actually. That's uh, the Greg Pak Hulk stuff from the mid-2000s. Yeah. It's, all, it's all real solid. It reads. It's aged well, too, as we saw with Thor Ragnarok and all that. 
Yeah, for sure. You Actually, got lucky that's your first. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Somebody else told me that. One of my co-hosts on the other podcast was like, that. You're, I want to say John Romita Jr. was drawing that. And, and just the, it was a good story. I didn't know anything about Century at the time. I, there was there were so many characters in there that I hadn't heard of that I was like, oh, who is this guy? Who's that? That's the great thing about comics and these crossovers. I know y'all are going to talk crossovers later, but yeah, that's just a great thing about comics. There was a brief moment in time where Brian Bendis was hell-bent on making the Century a thing. <laughs> like yeah, he, he really was like he was a big focus in the new he's got a really good new avengers run but so much of it revolves around the century and they really tried to make him like this big thing and in the end it all kind of fizzles i think they wanted him to be marvel superman and be damaged yeah marvel's like dark damage is a better probably a better term actually superman yeah but don't they already have another a superman clone that's have damaged what's his name the guy the sun guy Shoot. the sun guy the sun guy. no new rock man what are we talking Are-Man? about <laughs> i don't know you guys are the experts for the marvel side hey you're making shit up i don't know who no, you're talking no, about there's it's another the guy, guy who has almost all the powers of superman he comes from a different he comes from a different dimension though or he destroyed his own planet so he hyperion can't... yeah hyperion oh well, we weren't Wasn't... doing nothing with hyperion back then they weren't doing anything with the whole nah. squadron supreme at that point yeah but he's <clears> another <throat> superman clone yeah okay but he's okay that's different they're the squadron supreme is a justice league pastiche from a different universe and they weren't really at that point marvel really wasn't doing a lot with their multiverse that really didn't happen again until hickman got on avengers with at least with bendis your story is a little bit more streamlined Mm. typically dave how was your weekend (laughs) uh it was good fairly uneventful so for people who watch regularly i've made up with my girlfriend that's everything's good now like sends through the hourglass. I was oh, so she's about not that. the one that sabotaged your rig. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. That's coming uh, later. <clears throat> but but my granddaughters, the twins, their birthday was last week. How old so are they? five. It was oh my birthday. gosh, five years already. And uh, yeah, they've been there's they've been alive as long as you've been on this podcast, JD. <laughs> Shit. I'm old. <laughs> So to celebrate, we didn't get to do it last week. This is a very local reference. John might be the only one who knows this. We went to Crystal Cave today. Oh, I've got the shot glasses. What is Crystal Cave? (laughs) It's basically just a cave that has a lot of stalactites, stalagmites, and and minerals in it. And it's it's a tourist attraction. It's been around for hundreds of years, like 150 years or something like that. So it's literally a cave with crystals in it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. And they do tours of it, and then they've got things to do around the cave, mini golf, and little attractions for kids and stuff. And you get what you pay for. Pretty much. Yeah. So we did that. I did not realize how much climbing there would be <laughs> in it. A I was bit. feeling my mm-hmm. age by the time we were done, but no, they had a good time. That's what counts. Yeah. How about you, JD? Do anything fun this weekend? School is out. <laughs> my first year as a teacher is finished, and I quite liked it. What do you yeah. teach? I teach graphic production and I take graphic design, excuse me, and video production. Oh, at the high school level, and I'm a high school wrestling coach. So that's uh, yeah. I was in the film and video business for about 20 years, mm-hmm. and then this past year, the place I coach wrestling at asked me if I wanted to teach. So I said sure. Jumped in head first, and it was a lot of fun. I quite liked it. Love it. Graphics. Yeah. So you're teaching them the whole Adobe Suite, or you're uh-huh. doing free stuff. No, we do the whole Adobe Suite. We start with we basically got it because basically none of these kids know how to work a Mac. So we basically start with Mac interface and then I teach them how to Google search and how to save stuff on their computer because none of them have any idea how to do that, it turns out. Wow. So then we get into Photoshop and Illustrator. And at the end of the year, 
we make a t-shirt like we design the t-shirt and illustrator and then we have a t-shirt press that's the bane mm-hmm. of my existence and then <laughs> while half the class is doing that the other half of the class is doing a video on premiere and it leads into <clears throat> our video production one course or our graphics two course which is higher level photoshop higher level illustrator nice i like it yeah it's a lot of fun yeah i love i've been i'm a full-time graphic designer for the department of veterans affairs right now so that's my really yeah. wow and that adobe and all of those all of those programs are depending on what you use i'm down with illustrator photoshop premiere um i used to i tried getting in into dream dreamweaver before everything online became drag and drop so yeah. that's awesome the kids definitely need to know that stuff yeah it's i'm basically in the shop department so i'm basically a glorified shop teacher but this is its mm-hmm. career tech is the department we should talk later because i'd actually be curious to have, <laughs> hear you about these kind of things i'd like to talk to you about some stuff off, off the show but that's really neat man so that's my week we just got done with school gonna do some coaching over the summer and then we'll do something last night with your son oh i did we went to see the <laughs> ae i forgot we went and saw aew's pay-per-view at the movie theater oh that cool. was awesome so yeah we actually bought tickets is where we used to live actually in st charles so back an hour east toward the suburbs so yeah, we bought tickets and had some good seats and we, the stadium seating and you're reclined back and it's on the big screen. It was really cool. And he had a blast. He was like jumping up and down during the matches. Like it was such a different experience than going to the movies where you got to be quiet. It's a wrestling show. So people are being a little bit a little over the top, a little boisterous. And my kid was like jumping off and my cat telling me, Hey, calm down. But we had a good time. We had a really good time. Cool. Yeah. It's fun. Love it. How about you, John? Anything worth reporting john went already you were too busy oh, oh, yeah. well, i picked up the ball and ran i picked up the ball and ran but then it was fine you did good <laughs> that's why you're here jd that's right john will just let the ball dangle there john was panicking and i'm like i can do this i remember how to i remember how to start the show and then it occurred to me i have no idea how to start the show Nah, uh, it's just that they don't want me taking over the show and doing a whole thing on anime 100 uh, yeah yeah or dungeons and dragons because you did that oh, once God, already. Please, please. <laughs> once? <laughs> oh, come on. Comic books, Dungeons and Dragons. There's a huge overlap in the Venn there diagram is. there. No, no argument. No job. argument. Absolutely. <laughs> How did you feel about that movie, though? The, the D&D movie? It was good. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I keep saying this. It was better than it should have been. Better than it deserved to be. Right? I, we went and we. My, I took my whole family. I'm a... I don't know what it was. It might have just been that weekend that we were free to go do something. Like, I was like, let's go check out this Dungeons & Dragons movie. And we love everybody in my family, from me to our youngest daughter, who is seven. We all loved that movie. It was really good. And I was very surprised. Uh, again, you have started at a very fortuitous time because the previous three Dungeons & Dragons movies. There were three before? Okay, bro, we review, as a gag, we reviewed the 2000 movie with Jeremy Irons on the, the show. The original one. Yeah. It's fucking awful. It is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. On top, like, really, like, attempts at a movie. Not like some people just tried to make a movie and it's really bad. This mm-hmm. was, like, professional people really trying to make a movie, and there's oh. nothing good to say about it. Jeremy Irons is clearly just screwing around trying to make win yeah. a, or buy a boat or something his, like that his only oh stage direction was chew on the scenery yeah chew bigger all, all of it <laughs> bigger jeremy go bigger like, oh I'm raw. it's so off it's he honestly so said off. in an interview that he did the movie because he just bought a castle so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta pay for that castle oh, what was in this movie how come what i've never heard of this before yeah. there's a reason <laughs> yeah 
And then the next two were, I think, direct to video. Like they weren't even like serious. No, because we do, we'll do some old movie reviews on the show. There's nothing to talk about. We'll review older movies. And sometimes we'll do bad ones just for fun. Mm -hmm. Superman 3, for example. This was not even fun to talk about. It was (laughs) so bad that it was just, it wasn't even like fun bad. It was just boring bad. And it's not even fun to make fun of. It was one of the worst episodes we've Yeah, I think the biggest sin in those movies is like. That it exists. (laughs) There's four people in the party. And there's a couple scenes where like only one or two people are was written for them to go do something. So the other people stay back and they'll be like, no, this is not our task. And it's like, what? It makes like they, they couldn't think of anything better to write. It was just like, yeah. So now I got to go. I have to go see it now. Oh, seeing report back because I have to go find this movie it's, somewhere. It's shit. Let me tell you. Oh. <laughs> I think that you can watch it for free like on youtube or something i think i didn't pay for it so i know it's free somewhere yeah we all watched it on youtube for free yeah youtube okay yeah so there you go that's that's your homework <laughs> don't Welcome give our show. guest homework like that he'll Not never that come homework. back <laughs> yeah let us chase him away on our own before he yeah. decides oh, oh, okay okay that's what our personalities are for that's right <laughs> terrible how about you, Danny? Do you have a good Memorial Day? Do anything oh, fun? Barbecue? We did. My Actually, my daughter's cooked yesterday, but we had some family come in town. And, uh, but Saturday, I actually had a very restful day. We've been so busy running uh, different projects and comics and running our businesses, me and my wife. And it was just good to have a day to just sit down. And we watched, I want to say we watched four movies together as a family, like just sitting wow. in the living room popcorn and whatever we, whatever snacks we had in the house it was just really restful and i love days like that and then i'm recharged to to get back to work so i love cool. it good awesome nothing better to, than that right yeah all right now for the most fun part of the show social media <sighs> madness <laughs> get back here jd so nice. actually i kept it short this week because we have a guest and mainly it was we had talked about doing a Marvel DC crossover. Who would be your two characters? Just to recap, John said Constantine and Loki. JD said Superman and Spider-Man. Wolverine. Oh, that's right. You did change it to Wolverine. I originally said Superman or Spider-Man and Batman, but that's already been done. So then I changed it to Lobo and Rocket Raccoon. You improved upon the idea, JD, by saying, oh, make it Midnight Run. Is that what you said? Or, I did uh, say that. Midnight Run. Midnight Run, yeah, with uh, Groden and, and, and De Niro. Yeah. Lobo has a bounty on Rocket, yeah. I forgot I said that. That's a great idea from me. I'm <laughs> still a big fan of that one. Yes. So we asked the audience to, to supply some, but before we do that, how about you, Danny? Who would you like to see? One character from Marvel, one character from DC, your dream crossover book. Oh, man. I am a big fan of all of the Green Lanterns. And I'd say maybe a I like that new Far Sector was good. So maybe Sojourner Mullen on Earth with somebody from Marvel. Let me think. Maybe Sojo and somebody that would get on her nerves. It breaks the law a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think. Maybe one of the mutants from the maybe her and uh, what's his name from from the Brotherhood of the Brotherhood, Brotherhood of Mutants. The Blob. Oh, Blob. oh, yeah. yeah. That's well, a good that idea. That might be fun. Her having to her. She, I don't know if y'all read that run. She was a detective out in the far sector. Her, those, those two forced to team up for something would be great. I think that would be nice and funny. Yeah, I All like right. that idea. Well, 
Some of the comments we got. Descent said Jimmy Olsen and Elf with a gun. I don't know who Elf with a gun is. Is that a DC thing? John, you're the DC guy. <laughs> it rings a bell, but I can't. I don't. I got nothing. I have to look this up. Ape at Ray gave us Doctor Strange and Doctor Fate. We got that. Yeah. Cheater. <laughs> Cheater, you know that, Ray. You're cheating. And Randy said Captain Marvel and Zatanna, which I like that one. That could be fun, actually. Yeah. I like that idea. Elf with a gun is Marvel. Is he? Elf with a yeah. gun? Oh, yeah. Mel- Jimmy Olsen Mel- will be your DC. Yeah, yeah, Melf, Melf, the elf with a gun and any known of unknown origin who uses a variety of bizarre disguises to murder seemingly random people for no apparent reason over a period of several months. How do I not know about this character? His path almost crossed that of the Defenders a few times. All right. Oh, okay. The, Def- Defenders book, the Defenders books were weird at that time. All right. Yes. His name is right. Melf. Could be Melf, then it takes on a very different connotation. Oh, my God. No, it could still have bad <laughs> Yeah, never mind. That's a Mark um, Miller book, over... actually. Milf with a gun. <laughs> Let's see. Over on Twitter, we got from So Wizard, <laughs> Night Cat, and I don't know who the other character is. What is it? Read it. No, it's not a name. He just gave us pictures. He didn't oh. say who they were. I would help if I actually looked. Yeah. It almost, it's, no, it's not quite Eclipse. I, but Hang on. This thing is low. Because it has to be a DC person. So it's like white hair with what looks like. I don't know. Is that a scar on his face? I'm not even sure. And, is he uh, sniffing cocaine? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. What is this? It's so weird. Dude, can you bring that up to show the people watching? Is Joey on the like, show? Is Joey? He's is usually Joey? in the ch- in the comments. Hey, Tim. Sorry. I don't know what this is, and I don't know how to do a reverse, like a Google image search thing. Reverse search. Yeah, it's not ringing any DC bells in my head um, at all. This is, it looks like he's, it does look like he's just getting a face full of cocaine. <laughs> hey, he's looking so he's weird. A- Face full of yayo. Kassan said, I'll offer a slightly different one than Superman Jean Grey. I'd like to see a Superman Magneto crossover. Oh, that's first, cool, I, actually. I like first, that. First, I idea. think Magneto's powers can affect Superman. And second, their philosophy philosophies would surely ignite an epic drama. So Yeah, that's a great call. So Joey, hold on. Joey is in the chat. He says the character is Snowflame, the DC villain powered by cocaine. Sir, oh my God. I need to know more about this. I am, <laughs> I somehow have missed out on this my whole life, and I need to know more. Please, sir, provide more information as you there, can. That's, I, I wouldn't be Snowflame. surprised. There, there were DC characters that were based on the various forms forms of drugs this one clearly oh my goodness yeah this this one's just taking drugs there were others that were the embodiment of that the drug that themselves. is just some artist living out his fantasy right there here for yeah sure. i think so <laughs> let me just draw my life yeah this is what do i want more than anything else a giant two handfuls of blow you, usually that'd be an anime <laughs> this is man is that it was very clearly the 1980s <laughs> Oh my goodness! Actually, either, either that I, or is the depiction of his bosses. I can actually hear your rhythmics in the background while looking at this picture. <laughs> it is a very '80s-looking villain, too. Oh, wow. and the only other thing I included in social media madness this week is we did get a shout out from Jason Lennox, who actually was on the show back in 2019, and said, "Remembering when I was on episode 294 of Superheroes Speak, just gave it the episode a re-listen tonight, and I forgot that we talked about the Satan coloring book." Which did, oh yeah, which did do well on Kickstarter. Um, awesome. I need to come back on the show very soon. So I forgot about that. The Satan coloring book. That so was Jason, a weird episode. We'll, 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 
we'll get you back on. Yeah, maybe we won't talk about Satan too much, but <laughs> that was a weird episode, man. <laughs> Dude, He's we can talk about guy. Satan. At least it's not politics. They, think, we do uh, have a threshold. And... Clearly, you never watched Omen Three, sir. Yeah, that's the one where we run. That's the one where Damien Thorne. Or... No, that's no, that's the sir. That's the Exorcist. The Omen oh, okay. is Damien Thorne. This yeah. is the one where he's played by Sam Neill and he runs for president of the United States. Yeah. And, impreg- oh. and impregnates a woman by going in the wrong way because he's <laughs> son of the devil. He can do what he wants, I guess. He can. That's he tough. is the son of the devil. Have you seen these movies? They're horrible. The they first are. one is genius. The second two are trash. That happens with a lot of horror movies. Like, yeah, they'll write a really good first one and then it's, oh, we can make money over this. But it's so well cast. Like, they have Sam Neill playing like yeah. Damien. It's man, this is perfect. And you watch this movie you're like, wow, this is awful. <laughs> I remember there being a lot of weird cuts in that Super movie. weird. Super weird. The editing is weird. It's almost yeah. like it was edited for time. Like they're like this movie's 10 minutes too long and they're yes. just snipping random chunks out of like mid-conversation. You're like, wait, did we just cut to a different scene? It's a really it's not a, on top of being a bad movie. It's like a bad movie. Like <laughs> Tim Jones, all you need for the Satan coloring book is a red crayon. I think a black would help, actually. A little bit of black never, and never red. Changed him. Never changed yeah, him. Yeah, Tim Jones. Oh, oh, sour grapes, finer newspapers across this great land. <laughs> all right. Like I said, that's it for Social Media Madness this week. So you guys can relax. Thank God. <laughs> and if you would like to learn how you can follow us on Social Media be part of Social Media Madness for next week, here's our good friend Don to tell you more. Enjoying the show? Do you want to be part of Social Media Madness? Well, go ahead and head on over to SuperheroSpeak.com. You'll find all the links you need, episodes of the show, comic reviews by Chris, and other articles. We're posting stuff on there all the time. And while you're there, you can also check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. Great shows like the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Cult 45, baby, So Wizard Podcast, Fans on Patrol, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Hashtag GW Allstars, and you're not going to be disappointed. So, make sure that you are commenting on our Twitter articles. Be a poignant comment, could be a stupid one. Either way, gives you a chance for Dave to possibly mispronounce your Twitter handle. I've rambled on enough. Let's head back to Dave and the gents on Superhero Speak. And I've got the fireworks starting in my neighborhood. It's that time of year. It's that time of year. Don't forget to check out the Omega Level Nerds podcast available on YouTube and wherever podcasts are available. And we usually use this point in the show, and I'll mute so people can hear, so that you can tell people, Danny, where they can find you online to find Ace Blade. For me, the best place to find us is our website, fourthwallpros.com. And on social media, I am at the Ace Blade on all social media platforms. All right, cool. And on that note, we will take a quick commercial break and be right back. More with Danny. Some podcasts are like this. I don't wash my hands. I don't really trust people that wash their hands because, one, I don't think it does anything. And some podcasts are like this. And let's be honest, I'm starting to think it's a scam because I have a, a very painful sunburn. They had no sunblock in the 17, 1800s, but yet nobody was dying of skin cancer. So what's <laughs> giving you skin cancer? Listen, that the is a phenomenal point. But only one podcast is where you can get in-depth analysis like this. So like Max is like searching through these fake photos of his old fight for the murder memories, and we get another flashback, and it's fucking... It's the same... It's the same flashback! Fucking... Nothing has changed. No information has been punch. added. Cave 
in skull head explodes. Nothing about this flashback gives us anything Two new. Two rings, grab a rope. Nothing about this Shadow is important. Finger. Why are you showing this? Why are you wasting my time showing this fucking flashback that I've already seen? Was there a quota to show David Carradine's face like 85 times? It had to have been. You are now listening, listening to, to Call 45. This is Beat'em Down. And I'm Random Randy Savage. Find us on all your podcatching apps like Podbean or Spotify. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or just go to www.cult45podcast.com. Also, check out our YouTube for that sweet video content. Cult 45, the only podcast that puts hair on your chest. After these messages, we'll be right back. I figured it out. Randy goes above and beyond to find the dumbest white people in the world to put on his commercials. That can't be that hard a thing, man. No, that's like, not. That's any, tic- part. any TikTok that a white person does. But he's like, found like these week after week, man. He makes these commercials where I go, I consistently go, where do you find these morons? And he outdoes himself every single week. We learned that you know, washing your hands isn't real, and people never had skin cancer in the eighteen hundred in the seventeen hundreds when life expectancy was thirty five. <laughs> Mind blowing. There's a lot of podcast material out there, so hey. I will also state again: if you have a podcast and you would like us to play your ad on the show, send it to me at davidsuperherospeak.com, and I'll make sure it's on next week. <laughs> All right, I do make sure you subscribe to our good friend over at Colt 45. <laughs> and, of course, while you're here, hit that subscribe button. Click that bell for notifications so you will not miss us when we go live normally on Sunday nights. <laughs> so, let's let's get into this, Dan. We normally like to start off by asking a simple question like, Ace Blade, what is the elevator pitch? Ooh, the elevator pitch for Ace Blade. So... I would say, imagine you believe you're the best fighter in the world, okay? But before you get a chance to prove it, your fight manager says that he's been setting up fights for you, and tonight you have to lose or they're going to kill you and him, okay? The only catch is that you're fighting people with superpowers and you have none, all right? Do you decide to win the fight and risk it or to throw the fight and and save your friend? So that's how Ace Blade starts with that. Well, so where did the idea come from? Actually, a situation like this. Me and my friend were sitting around talking about our love of all comic book characters. A friend of mine, Christoph Hollers, we were working at, we were actually working at one of the companies that made Pokemon cards here in America. Way Mm -hmm. back in 2000 something or another. (laughs) (laughs) And and we were just talking and he was telling me how he made, he makes Green Lantern costume jewelry, basically. Like there are people that were looking for like, real green green lantern rings that lit up and he had a resin press and he was doing that kind of stuff right. for people and he was like man i had this idea for a comic book some when he was in high school and we started talking about it i told him hey man let me i've been writing for a while let me see if i can do something with it came back literally the next day with four stories and <laughs> he was like man this guy's crazy what is this what is this? i didn't know he was serious but i ended up getting deployed shortly after that probably a couple of months after that and while i was in iraq I just kept writing, kept creating stories. I stayed in contact with them through Skype at the time because Skype was Skype, Skype was popping. Yeah. Uh, and when I came back, I had basically, I want to say, 40 chapters of Ace Blade stories wow. written. And wow. uh, we went and got it. We did a little self-publishing thing, get it, got it edited and everything like that. 
But then he ended up taking me to my first comic book convention in 2012. I think it was 2012. We went to Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Stan Lee was there. And literally, it blew my mind that there were, not only was Stan Lee there, but there were people there who were just regular people who made comics. It wasn't it wasn't all Marvel people. It wasn't all DC. It was just there were people there who had their own books that I'd never heard of. Artists who were drawing prints and cosplayers and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, so we can just make a comic book? We don't need anybody's we don't need anybody's permission to do this. But ever since then, I was like, let me learn how to learn the process of make, making comics. The first two Ace Blade comics we did, mostly traditional pencils and inks and all that stuff. And then learned that it was it's faster to do it digital. It's so much faster to go digital. And and when you're indie, it's it's a little more cost effective too. Since Ace Blade number three, we've been doing mostly we still do some traditional pencils and stuff like that, but mostly digital. And now we got six books of Ace Blade out. We got Ace Blade, Lumberjacks, King Supreme, we got spin-off, we got a podcast, we got all kinds of stuff. That's really it. So you went from not reading comics growing up. <laughs> reading them in 2008 to being deployed and coming back with 41 chapters you said of a book like that's awesome what was it that made you fall in love with comics so much oh no i I always loved superhero characters man i had this funny story that i told my wife not just superheroes but ninja turtles also you got ninja turtles a comic book too i remember one of my earliest memories is april 1st uh, my my mother took me. I had to be four, had to be five years old. My mother was getting her hair done, and I was sitting in the ladies' living room watching. I think it was it had to be Nickelodeon at the time, and they played an April Fool's joke and said that Ninja Turtles was not going to be coming on that day. I okay. I got angry. <laughs> I got angry and threw a little temper tantrum, and I threw my head back and split the back of my head open as like a as a young kid. I ran in there, my wow. head's bleeding. My mom takes me to my mom runs me out to take me to the hospital. And on the way out, I see on the TV that it was the April Fool's joke. And I just split my head open for no reason. And I distinctly remember I just loved the all these superhero characters, whether it was Ninja Turtles or it was Batman, Superman, the animated series, the early, the original series. And all these, every one of them. And then, of course, it went to Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon and things like yeah. that. I just loved the I just loved the conflicts in them and the willpower to to overcome the villains and the dark things in your life and the way that those stories made me feel and I was like I want to be able to make something that makes people feel like that. That's really it. It's just the just the feeling that you get when you watch these when you watch or read these stories and I want to be able to create something like that for the next generation to to pick up and run with. Cool. And the, yeah, that's awesome. And the other thing is you were in the military <laughs> and you decided like you wanted to be a writer. Did you always want to write or was like, where did that bug come from? Yeah, it was, I've been writing for as long. I've been writing and drawing as long as I can remember. My mom was an artist and I always say now my mom lives like lives vicariously through me because she was a, <laughs> she was an artist, but my dad ended up going to prison when I was very young. So for the first eight years of my life, my dad wasn't there. So she had to work all these jobs to take care of me. So she really didn't get to pursue her art, but she would paint and she would draw at home and things like that. And I always saw it in the mm-hmm. house and I always had an interest in drawing. And I, I'm, I, I do pinups covers for our stuff now, but mm-hmm. illustration is a, that's a, it's a full-time job. And yes, <laughs> you really have to be dedicated and take your time with that, especially when you want it to be high quality stuff with the books that we put out. I want to be as close to image Marvel DC quality as we can. 
Um, I wouldn't, it would be literally one book every four years if I was doing it. But yeah, I've just been writing and drawing ever since I can remember, whether it was poetry or narrative stories and just decided, like I said, when we went to that comic book convention, I was like, oh, I don't have to ask, I don't have to have a literary agent or a contract signed to do this. I can do it and just put it out there. And then the internet, social media just made it possible to find people that would be interested in buying those kind of things. Yeah. It is amazing how many independent comic book artists and authors there are out there. Because <clears throat> when we're going to all of the conventions, like there are entire rows of those people hawking mm-hmm. their wares. <clears throat> and that's, you know, that's only a smidgen of the people that are actually out there. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a huge thing with these conventions. I think I think most, like even the larger ones, they'll, they have the indie islands and artist alleys and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, most people come, of course, to see the celebrities and their childhood heroes and stuff like that. But it's always cool to see the local artists who are working on Ace Blade or whatever it is that they have, too. Danny, you weren't really into comics as a kid. What was your influences creatively growing up? What kind of stuff seeps into your work now that maybe influenced you as a kid? Ooh, nobody's ever asked me that before. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell who the you can tell who the writer is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think, like I said, my my father was in prison for the whole, first whole eight years of my life, but. Um, he came out of prison very institutionalized. In eight years, a lot of stuff can happen. So it took him another eight years to be a, a decent person. Like a, It took another eight years for me to see him as a decent human being. Mm-hmm. Just the way now, and now my dad is one of the best people in the world. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that dude for anybody. But when he first came out of prison, he was terrible. He was abusive. He would, he'll tell you himself. He was, it was bad. But my, the growth that I seen in him and the patience of my mother, to, to deal with him and to still be raising me and my three brothers and sisters and during all of that and to, to see his growth. If I know if my dad can change, anybody can change. And that's one of the things that I know is one of those key components of Ace Blade. He's one of those heroes that he doesn't see people as villains. He doesn't really see the villains in the city as evil people. He sees them as people who are in a bad situation. Like early Batman, Batman the animated series, you would have <laughs> Bruce Wayne would Bruce Wayne would go to uh, Selena Kyle's fundraisers and he would go to Pamela Isley. He would support her businesses. But as soon as she crossed that line, I got to throw the cowl on and handle it. I, he, it's kind of that one. He wants to help the person. He thinks that everybody it can be redeemed. But once you cross that line, whatever it is, I got to I got to deal with you in a different way. Yeah, that was a great question, Jay. Man, I, Thank you. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, obviously that's, it's funny how you can tell that then that happens to everyone. Things that happen in your early life do influence you a lot. And it's, it's funny, I did say I follow you on social media and like I see you post videos with your daughters all the time and in your comic shop and like all the hmm. stuff that you're doing. And obviously family is very important to you and it must play a role in, in what you write. How do you, and obviously you, this, you're not at the point where you're just doing this, right? Like you still have a day job. How do you balance your family life, your comic work, and a regular nine to five? Yeah, it's tough, but <laughs> it helps that all of my kids are into art. They all love anime. They love going to comic book conventions. All of them want to be around the things that I'm doing, whether it's here. Like my youngest daughter, she's, I'm telling you, she's going to be, 
she's going to be an amazing artist someday because she's seven years old. And I know every parent says this, but she's like the best artist I've ever seen. Like for mm -hmm. a seven-year-old, this little girl is doing some amazing stuff. Not every parent of a seven-year-old says that. <laughs> Let me tell you, as the parent of a seven-year-old, my son got all A's in school except for art. Where oh, the teacher said he tries really hard. And I appreciate it. <laughs> So you you have a talented daughter. Embrace okay. it. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. No, but it does help that they. I can take them with me to most conventions. Whenever I go to a comic book stores to either talk to people about comics, or I'm setting up, or a free comic book day, or whatever, I can just bring them along with me. Those things help because there's not a lot of time. There's not everybody has the same 24 hours, but with a full time job and four kids and a wife and two businesses that kind of it sucks it up. So it's good that I can, you know, bring them up here to the studio and they don't mind helping me sort through these 500 comics. Like they, they look at these books and they ask questions and they see stuff that they're interested in. And that's kind of part of it. And then when they, and when we get tired of them, I, they can stay at home today if they want to. <laughs> they have some time away from dad. That definitely helps. <clears throat> and the reason I ask is because I hear this from people all the time. I've said this myself, too. It's, I would really love to do this, but I just don't have the time. Yeah. And obviously, if you're passionate about something, you are going to find the time. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Ace Blade grows over the course of these comics, right? Yes. So what? where are you pulling the idea? Like, how are you managing the growth? Where do you pull that from in your life? Like, when... Do, where do you get the ideas from? He's going to realize this and become a better person or this and become a horrible person. Yeah, I think that's that is that's the one thing that's really relatable about Ace Blade is that for Ace Blade, he stumbled into this. He didn't think that he was going to be a super. He was out here trying to get revenge for what happens in the first book. He his manager does end up dying because of a decision that he made. And he says, man, I need to I'm going to go get revenge. But then once he gets there. He makes another decision. He says, man, I can't do this. I'm going to become like Batman says, if I take this step, I'm going to be just as bad as them. So I have to find a different way. And he sees the the whole city that he's in Vegas. He's in what, our fictional Vegas city. And all the people around him are doing these risky things to hit it big because that's a place that you go when you want to you want to bet it all. If you want to risk your life savings, you can do that and they'll let you. And he said, I don't want to be that person. I don't, I need to, if I think that this is a bad thing, it has to start with me. I have to change and I have to show people that there's a better way. And hopefully the people that I meet along the way, will I can influence them you know, and we can change the community that way. And that's a real thing that I believe is that every person that you come in contact with, everybody has their ups and downs. Everybody has their flaws. But if you can do something to inspire them or to change them, then that can go a long way. That's the same thing. I think I heard y'all talk about that with comic books before. You read a you mm -hmm. we read these comic books because we see the best versions of ourselves in these superheroes and we see the worst of ourselves in these villains. And it really does affect us and make us want to be better. Did you pull any of the that idea of I cross this line or I want to be a better person? I want to I seeing people for the situation that they're in and not what society is framing them as and you don't have to answer this if you want but do you pull any of that from when you were deployed yeah absolutely see y'all are this is y'all are doing it this is a <laughs> <laughs> y'all are really doing it no i'd say because I, I tell people all the time so i was deployed with a military police unit but i was a medic i was a i was one of the four line medics that the that our unit had and the majority of the people that we came in contact with were 
regular people. They were just people who were trying to live their lives. They were trying to get their kids to school. They were trying to feed their families. And then there were, you know, there were sometimes that they had to do bad things to do to get from one place to another. And then there were people who were who I would consider truly evil, who were doing bad things to bad people for bad reasons. And unless you actually interact with the people in the community, you wouldn't know you wouldn't know that. Ace Blade is a reflection of that. Once you come in contact with people and you're around the people in your community enough, you'll know most people are good people and they want to do the best. They want what's best for their family, want to do what's best for their community. But then there are definitely some people who will take advantage of a situation for their benefit and not care about how it affects the community. So to, to Ace Blade and to me, those are the real supervillains. And I'll take it a step further. Being an African-American creator, how much of that do you pull in? I'm, obviously, the character's also African-American. Yeah. You're pulling in a lot of your own personal experiences, I'm sure, into this book. What kind of a message do you want people to take away from the book, um, from your experiences that you reflect in there? I, it's funny, me and my me and my partners were talking about this, because Ace Blade is probably the least Black of all of our superheroes. Okay. Uh, he So Ace Blade is, of course, he's African-American, he's Black. But Ace Blade's issues don't necessarily deal with the black community as much. There is a scene in, and I didn't even mean to do this because it just happened to happen, but there's one scene in the first Ace Blade where the cops around him and just stop resisting and stop resisting and stuff like that. And he's not today. And he, he escapes and flee. He, he fights against the cops and he flees and then he comes back. And there was somebody who read it and was like, yeah, I, I understand what you were trying to do with that scene. I was like, oh, actually, I wasn't trying to do that. Okay. <laughs> but if you saw it there, then cool. But I think that the thing that I want for people to see in Ace Blade is that, that we're all human. Everybody, like you said, we all grow. We all have issues in our own life, and the majority of people want to do better. So you just keep on whatever the situation is. Just do the best that you can and try to learn from it. And as long as it doesn't kill you, it can, it can usually help. So what do you see down the line for me? Is this is Ace Blade something you want to stick with, or do you see yourself trying to transition to the corporate comics world? Are you happy doing your own thing on Kickstarter? I like some consistency would be nice. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice to be able to have somebody pay me to make these books. But Ace Blade is like, I have a plan for Ace Blade. Ace Blade is our long-term comic. If we do 200 issues of this, I would in before my life is over, I would consider it complete but i do want to write i want to write for marvel or dc or i want to create projects for well i'd love i I submitted for the milestone initiative when they were doing that at the beginning of last mm-hmm. year yeah um, because i have a great villain for 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 icon that i think would be amazing so i i do have ideas to that i want to share with the big two or the big four now and I would love some consistency of getting paid to do this instead of having to go out here and do right. Kickstarters three, three or four times a year. But I think something that we're working on with these comics is going to be something that takes a long time. And if we can, you know, if we can keep making money with these books, we'll keep making them. Even, even if we can't really, we're going to keep making them because there's a I think there's an important story to tell on them. But I would if you know somebody at Marvel or D.C., i'll definitely do a good job for preferably marvel because having a movie in your belt wouldn't be that bad either (laughs) that's very true that's very true speaking of kickstarter and making money you currently have a campaign going on harlem and black rose yes what's those books all about and let the people know how they can support it absolutely harlem and the black rose this is actually one of the first times that we are doing 
a comic book outside of the main continuity in our universe. We call it the fourth wall universe, where Ace Blade, King Supreme, and Lumberjacks, those are our main, those are our big three characters. So this Kickstarter, we have two comic books. One of them is connected to the main continuity. That's Harlem's Renaissance. She's actually a spinoff from the Lumberjack series that we have. And then we have the Ballad of the Black Rose, which is the one that I wrote. And it is a, it's a kind of a Western. It's a country Western with a sci-fi twist. Okay. It's about a family trying to start a new life out in the Wild West, but there's something in on the land that they bought that is a strange and weird that's interacting with the daughter that they have. And the local lawman want the want that land for themselves. It's one of those classic Western stories that you've seen a thousand times, but just with a little sci-fi twist. And for now, I'll say for now, it's not connected to Ace Blade in any way, but it might be down the road. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other book was? Harlem's Renaissance. I'm actually... Harlem's Renaissance. It's it's actually about a so Lumberjacks is one of the other heroes in our universe. Okay. His niece was actually killed and resurrected, and now she has she's been resurrected with superpowers, and she doesn't know why. She doesn't know who killed her family, and she doesn't know why was she was chosen to be brought back to life. So the first issue goes through that origin, introduces you to the characters and her power set and things like that. It's two two. Two different comic books, but we got them both done around the same time, and we didn't want our Kickstarters to be bumping into each other. So right, we decided, right. we decided to do them together. Cool. Yeah. How do you? Oh, I thought you were going to say. That. How do you go about finding other people to hook up with to to work on the book? So the writers, other artists. Do you have, yeah. do you have a process, or do you just kind of? Oh, I meet this guy at a convention. He's cool. <laughs> so our main guy, Wally McNair. He's a he's an artist from Charlotte. I lean on Wally for literally everything when it comes mm-hmm. to. He's pretty much our art director for. Um, for our company, because if he can't do a project, then he'll usually know somebody who is. He's really well connected. He's done work for Image and, and DC and some Archie comics and stuff like that. And he's really well connected. Usually, if I can't find somebody on online that I trust to, to deliver the product on time, deliver pages and colors on time, then I'll, I'll reach out to him and say, hey, do you know anybody who's looking for work that has this kind of style? And he'll usually, he can usually find somebody for it. Yeah. But it's you know, in in the indie zone. It's really hard to find somebody who who is a who is has the style that you want, and also in the right price range, and who also doesn't already have ten other jobs lined up. Usually, yeah. once an artist can prove that they are consistent and on time, Marvel and DC is going to snatch them up, and we're not going to be able to afford them anymore. Or one of the other ten companies that's looking for <laughs> that's looking for comic books. That's looking for stories and artists to be made now. We try to catch people early and then we try to just keep connected with people who we've been working with over time. And it's been it's been working for us so far. Cool. Talk about artists that you can trust to get stuff done. JD can tell you a thing or two about that. He actually he's on this podcast because he came on as a guest promoting a comic that had issues because of issues with an artist. Mm-hmm. And now he's on here. You ever see that Seinfeld where Costanza just keeps coming? That was yeah. me. I just kept showing up every week. <laughs> <laughs> that usually works. That that consistency, hey, that'll definitely get you on a, get you on a team. Um, but yeah, it's hard, and I understand a lot of artists either they're not doing it full time or they everybody has their own situation. Yeah, but it can be difficult. And like I said, but once you've established yourself as consistent, and you know you can work on a schedule and meet deadlines. There's a company that's going to pay you. Artists, even though AI is supposedly taking over, artists are an invaluable 
resource in especially in comic books and in in pretty much every industry i don't it's going to be hard to uh for indies at least but thankfully we've been able to make some good relationships and keep people on the payroll it, it'll okay. get really bad when ai starts kickstarters oh man oh. <laughs> I, I see like your kickstarter's got what 8400 and you've got a lot of you've got a lot of variant covers and some limited really limited edition stuff sketch covers and stuff yeah How, Okay. Okay. And how is Kickstarter treating you? Because you've done a bunch of them so far. Yeah, we've um, thankfully we we caught Kickstarter like when it was early in development. I want to say the first. Um, I actually backed up <laughs> as a musician that I just happened to run into on Kickstarter. He was like, "Hey, I'm trying to shoot a music video, and we need to raise this amount of money." I was like, "Oh, I'd like help out with that." So that was my hook into the platform, and I was like, "Oh, I could use this to to try to sell my comic books." So. <laughs> thankfully like the first ace blade book was funded but i didn't i literally didn't know anything about making comic books at the time it was just hey i think this should only cost us two thousand dollars to make this comic and we got, a, <laughs> we got neil adams did a cover for us so we'll be fine but but neil adams even at the time charge was charging like five or six hundred dollars so that ate the whole budget up so we ended up having the rest of to get the comic book made. We ended up having to come out of our pockets and people were waiting. I hated the fact that people were waiting on us because we spent the money that the Kickstarter gave us on these two big things. But it also let me know that people love variant covers. Like the comic book community loves to follow their favorite artists. If you, yeah. if that artist has a following, people will buy their comic books. And me personally, I just love to see artists do their renditions of our characters. If for nobody else, I do it for me. And then if if other people like it, then so be it. Yeah, Kickstarter is definitely the home for independent creators. It's a great model, but I think you've said this before, JD. Like, you have to have the product ready to go and done. Oh yeah. Like you can't get the money and then be like, oh, we'll eventually get it out. Yeah. <laughs> that was a problem like over a decade ago when Kickstarter first started really becoming a thing in the indie community. Like probably. 2010 2011 you'd see a lot of people just using it to fund the creation of their book and there was so many bad stories that came out of that so many people got burned so it's become you know 2023 now it's it's pre-orders basically and that's why i sell people when i'm doing my novels i always tell people hey it's a pre-order book's done here it is you're just ordering it ahead of time so this is just a sales platform and then because it gets the idea of crowdfunding out of their head because kickstarter is crowdfunding but it isn't it's not gofundme you're not saying, please help me. You're saying, hey, please buy from me. Buy right. this, which is a much more convenient thing for most people because most people feel much more. It's weird to say it, but people are far more comfortable if you're trying to sell them something than if you're asking for their help. Yeah. Does that make sense? There's a mental aspect of it. It's also not just selling to them, but like drumming up interest because of all the for extras sure. and the tears and all that. You give away a bunch of stuff and it gets people saying, oh, look, I got this pin. Where'd you get the pin? Oh, yeah, I got it in a Kickstarter. So other stuff other than books like this, they still use Kickstarter for actually funding stuff. I'm on a Kickstarter flip die. I'm waiting for that. That's been in development for almost a year now. Kickstarter tech is definitely different than Kickstarter reads, right? There's a, there's definitely yeah. a difference between the programs and there's yeah. Kickstarter isn't the only crowdfunding platform available for creators. It's just the best. And because you're on Kickstarter, they're good about helping you get the word out. It's got a, it's got a name brand now at this point that people trust. Like usually mm-hmm. people say, oh, it's a Kickstarter. Okay. It's not like 2010 or 2011 where people are like, what is this Kickstarter thing? Why are you begging for money? It's not like that anymore. It's become the point where, 
major publishers are putting out their books through Kickstarter because they know they'll reach a different audience than comes into the shop on Wednesdays. It's complete. It's still newer in my world of prose writing, but yeah. in the comic world, it's if you're not in the shops, you're a Kickstarter guy. And there's tons and tons of writers and artists who make good livings off Kickstarters who will never be guys that you'll see in the comic book shops. But it's just the way it is. It's the home of creator work that lives in Kickstarter now. Yeah, I think the so Kickstarter is definitely the platform. I, and I basically know comics like tech and I rarely back anything outside of comics. I want to say I've backed 200 and whatever comic books. And I think it, it definitely helps that the creators are delivering more now and quicker. I think that's one thing that's really helped us is that, okay, we had an Ace Blade book, we had a Lumberjacks book, and now we've got the Black Rose book. Now that Black Rose is on Kickstarter, the Ace Blade books are getting to people. The Lumberjacks books are going to be getting to people during this campaign. So mm -hmm. it also helps that we can put a little thing in there to say, hey, we got you this book. If you like this one, check this one out. People who backed you before can back you again. And then it's always great to use your social media platforms to bring new people to Kickstarter too. So I'm going to ask you the, I think this is an obvious question, but I don't know. A lot of times when we talk about superhero comics, it's act two, right? It's the middle act. The heroes no, always return back to to normal. They don't normally grow and change. There's only very few books that do that. And then there's never an end where that's like the big difference between the comics and the movies. Like Tony Stark had to die because Robert Downey Jr. was getting too old to play Iron Man. Do you ever see an end to Ace Blade, like a way to, to bring his story to an end? And you don't have to spoil it, just in your mind, you ever see you actually bring it to it? That's actually the goal. I think one thing that we're learning from manga, just, just like you were saying earlier, one mm -hmm. thing we're learning from manga is that the new audience, like even my children, they go to comic book stores and they're not looking for Batman or Spider-Man comic books because they really don't know where to start. They've seen some movies, they've heard of these characters... Miles, Miles is literally in a multiverse right now. There's a thousand Spider-Man and they don't know where to start. I think what's great about indie comics is that literally this first book came out and you can catch up to it right now. But I think what the, and I know you're going to ask this later, but the future of it is short runs, not necessarily short runs, but self-contained stories. Yeah. And Ace Blade definitely has, the Ace Blade definitely has an end. Lumberjack's, doesn't necessarily have an end, but this main story of Ace Blade will definitely have a beginning, middle, and end. Like I said, this character is going to grow and change and become something else, and maybe he'll hand off. Maybe there'll be another Ace Blade somewhere else, but the story of Terrell Durham as Ace Blade will definitely have an end. <clears throat> yeah, that's one of the things we talk about on this show a lot, is the barrier to entry, where it's hard to pick up Amazing Spider-Man 395 and figure out, like, what's really going on in this story and like the mcu started out oh this is a fresh way to look at it now by the time you get to end game it's wait a minute how many movies do i have to see before i see this one <laughs> yeah exactly with manga it can be the same one piece started in what 1997 yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yeah there are definitely some longer ones with manga but i just think that it's pretty cool that you can pick up stories like you know like ace blade or masters of the edge or any of these indie books and, and know where it starts you might not know where it's going to end but at least where it starts you can get that first issue and check out the story and if you like it there's something that you can keep up with for hopefully a long time and i 
one of the latest videos you put up you were showing you have the graphic novels now like you have collected editions like so that's a great way to start too like just you know, what is the first four issues you have collected or right we got the graphic novel with the first four issues and the the graphic novels you got those and then you have some special features in the back you know how they do with comics yep. stuff. you get some behind the scenes stuff and then in ours you have an intro into villain season issue five of ace blade is where we introduce to a whole gang of villains that you'll that'll interact with ace blade over the next 10 or 10 or so books it's an introduction into that and then you go to issue five and then six is the next the next arc yeah that's a that's something i think indie indie folks are going to be getting into more collected trades right. this is a self-contained story these four comic books is the beginning this is the origin or if you want to see all the villains then check out this next arc or whatever yes so that's what i'm saying like anyone watching this right now that's there's where you start go pick up the graphic novel so go to the kickstarter and pick up <laughs> yeah go to the kickstarter first then <laughs> kickstarter first <laughs> Do you have the do you have the graphic novel in one of the one of the add-ons or anything? We Maybe thought about yeah. adding it. We have our we do have our books on the add-ons. We didn't want to make them still one piece wish books. Yeah, that's true. No, this is John has been talking about one piece for months now on the show. <laughs> and talked about it early on. No, I talked about it a while ago. Then I couldn't get through this one really bad arc around episode two hundred. And it take it's taken me until somebody challenged me at work. On Friday, to uh, took two <laughs> shots to get through two episodes, so I'm just gonna have to make a run to the package store again before I try. I had that issue with the, with that Flash series. I was I love the DC Arrowverse show, yeah. and Flash was my favorite one. And after the, I want to say the Thinker series, I was just like, I don't even know if I want to watch this show anymore. Yeah, and I literally stopped watching it from there. And now that they're now it's almost over, I'm like, oh, I should probably catch up on that. I literally stopped and I was like, ah, this was one of my favorite shows, but now I can catch up to it. The pandemic hits, it made it hit some rough patches. Yeah, um, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That season also ends weird because they had to cut it short because of the pandemic. Yeah. Was it, that was 2019 or 2020. So was that yeah, before that was excess or after excess? I can't even remember. After, I think. It was after excess. I like that. I like the excess arc, I think. A lot of people had trouble with it, but I enjoyed their chemistry and the him and Iris yep. seeing the future that they could have with the dog. I was like, okay, this is cool. It's emotional. There, there were stakes. She might di die or disappear at the end, but yeah, I got to get back into it. I got to get back into that show. All right. So, is this someone you know, Danny? I don't know. I, it could be JD Troop. I know most of the TikTok followers that I have, like I can identify their names, but YouTube is. No I'm trying to get to that thousand, like y'all are <laughs> trying to build up. <laughs> trying to build up my YouTube audience. It might be. All right. It's up to you, JD. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm just too white. Fair. <laughs> I'll admit it. All right. And then uh, Ellie okay. follows you on Instagram. Okay. Or, okay. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Or one of Thanks. us. One of us. One Thanks of us. for watching. We appreciate yes, it. Thank we you for watching. Jumping in for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to ask now. Uh, well, got any ideas for the future? What do you want to, what, is there anything that you've got a hankering to do next? You've written comic books. What have you been working on lately? Some short films and video games. No, <laughs> we, we, I, my brain is good and bad because it doesn't start, stop working. But I have an amazing, I, what I think is an amazing idea for a video game for Ace Blade. And there's a cosplayer, um, Hellspawn cosplay that I'm trying to get an out, get an Ace Blade outfit before, a costume made for. So that we can shoot some scenes and do some some pretty cool stuff on film. Oh, but 
But for the comic books, like I'm starting to look into doing more crossovers and stuff like that with other indie characters. And I think that could be cool as long as it doesn't as long as it doesn't cost a lot and it doesn't affect the main continuity. I think it would be pretty cool. That's happened between some authors once in a while, like of some of the big urban fantasy books. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, So it's really yeah, it's really neat when it happens. Yeah. Oh, my God. My mind's going blank. Someone that we had on the show quite a few years ago. He what he did is he filmed a short for his independent character for his comic, mm-hmm. and he would have that playing at his table at the cons. And it's a great way to get people to, to come up and talk to you. And we're friends on Facebook, and I can't I'm blanking on his name, and it's driving me nuts. But he's gone on to direct. He's a TV director, and he's done Flash and Batgirl wow. and like all those shows. And that's one of the things that got him noticed was this short that he had playing. Oh man, at his yeah. table, yeah. So. Great guy, too. And I, I, God, I feel really bad that I can't think it was terrible. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm going to ask you the question that, that, okay, two two questions that we normally wrap up on. The first one being, we normally sign the podcast off by saying, don't let your cape get caught in the door, which I always started as a joke, but it's more to mean, don't let your shortcomings get in your way of your success or reaching your goal. What is something shortcoming in your life that you've overcome to to get where you are today? A shortcoming that I've overcome is I wasn't always <laughs> not being an art, not being a traditional artist. I think like we talked about earlier, we have strengths and weaknesses. I know my strength is graphic design, even though I have a passion for traditional drawing. I love pulling out a pencil and pad and mm-hmm. i would love to draw my own comic book but i know i'm too much of a if it's something that i created i'm gonna take so long on it because i'm gonna be i'm gonna see every detail that i miss and i'm gonna want it to look like jamal campbell or john i'm gonna want it to look like jim lee drew it and right. i can't do that so just the initial hurdle of getting over the fact that okay there are other people who can do this part of the job and i can focus on the things that I do well, that I can do quickly and hit my deadlines on. And it takes a team and learning that it takes a team. I know a lot of indie yeah. creators out there that want to do it all themselves. They want to do it, whether it's a, I don't have the money to pay you or the, I just don't want to give up ownership or I don't want anybody to have control or whatever. And if it wasn't for all of these amazing people that I've worked with over the years, these books would not be out. They would not be, we would not be successful on Kickstarter. We would not be able to put out content for social media. We just wouldn't be able to. Getting past my own my own ego and knowing that people can help and people can do a better job than me at things um, is a huge thing. It was a huge thing for me. Cool. Cool. And then, of course, the question we always wrap up on is how do you measure success? How do I measure success? I think it's in, and maybe it's in impact. I think I want to say impact. Like, if you can... I had... <laughs> Early on, when I started doing comic book conventions, we had this young kid who came to the convention. Kevin Eastman was there. He was at the show. Mm-hmm. And of all these other creators that were around, we didn't. We had one comic book out at a time, one Ace Blade comic book out at a time. And this kid came up to our table and he bought a T-shirt. He had his mom buy a T-shirt from us. And okay. then the next year, we came back to the same show and he wore the T-shirt that he bought from us and i was like yo kevin eastman was at that show he could he i'm sure he had some dope ninja turtle stuffy other creators and this young kid came back with our stuff on to come see us and i was like yo this is that was one of the best experiences in my entire life as a creator this young kid who never heard about 
these comic books for. And then he was like, I, he read it, he liked it, and he wanted to come back and get the, he wanted to come back and see if he could find the next one. By that time, we had another book out, and then Lumberjack's book. And it was just amazing to to see that he, are you talking about Eric Dean Staten? I don't know. Maybe. Who was oh. that? I think that one was for you. But yeah, it was just great. Oh, yeah, Eric. No, Eric is the, yes, that's who that's There you go. Eric is yeah. the director, yes. Yeah. I know William Withers. He's a great guy. He's going to be actually drawing some, if that's the same William, it looks like him. He's going to be drawing, <laughs> he's going to be drawing Ace Blade number eight. That's Very cool. Awesome. Yes, William, I am talking about Eric. He's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's been on the show a couple of times. I love it. So, sorry. That no. No, that's perfect. No, that William is awesome. But yeah, I think it's I think it's just an impact. If you can, like I said with Ace Blade, if you can impact one person, you never yeah. know how far that'll go. We make these stories to impact the community and the people that we, you know, that read our stories. And I think that's our better success for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yep. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are going to take one quick break. We'll be back with our main topic. Hey, Spidey, isn't Marvel's new Pizzazz magazine fantastic? Fantastic, but not perfect. But Pizzazz has the lowdown on Jaws, too. And more Sean Cassidy picks than his mother. It's sensational, but not perfect. How about Pizzazz's goofy guide to TV? It's wild look at sci-fi movies. It's games, puzzles, comics. What could be more perfect? Me on the cover, not the Hulk. Pizzazz, the almost perfect new monthly from the off-the-wall gang at Marvel Comics. After these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs> That's an oldie but a goodie, JD. Come on. <laughs> I'm done critiquing you for not finding new stuff. <laughs> I've been finding new stuff for months I know. now. Uh, yeah, I should give it a go. <laughs> I've tried, and Dave doesn't. Dave ignores me whenever I share stuff that I find. Ignored. Never, sir. Always. You, you've shared twice. Has either one of them made it to the show? I don't remember. There you go. <laughs> All right. So we've ended at this a little bit. I wanted to talk about, since you're an indie creator, and we've been talking about the future of comics a lot lately on the podcast, actually. I'm interested. We'll go around the room first. Who is one of your favorite? It could be a team. It could be an individual character. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an indie. It could be one of the not the big two, because like a lot of books start off as indie, and then the company takes off afterwards. But yeah, let's go around. Who is one of your favorite characters or teams that isn't in the main two and if danny if you're not ready we can make john go first i got a whole list so i'll let y'all go first <laughs> <I can. laughs> okay okay jd I'm, uh, I'm biased but i'm gonna go with rich duick and alex mccormick their road series word of bones probably the best horror comic yeah outside the big two that's been written in the last decade so that's easy for me all right cool john's struggling i am he, struggling. he's he is searching he is searching no. Shoot, Spencer and Locke. Oh yeah, from oh yeah, yeah. That's Spencer that and Locke. That was it. Yeah, books. Oh, that was great. Books. There's yeah, two, but... yeah. Spencer, Spencer and Locke by David Peebles. Uh, Peppos. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we had we've had David on the show. That was mm -hmm. yeah. yep. That That's was awesome. great. That is a good one. I would have picked it, but Danny said them earlier. I've been wearing the shirt tonight in honor, of course, the book. That kicked off my love of indie books is the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles run. I know it blew up. It became one of the most commercial things ever. But I always say this. If you've never read the original books, go back and read them. They are so different than everything <laughs> you think you know about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Actually, they just, I just, uh, 
what was it? They call it Secret Galaxy now, but the, it's the, former Toy Galaxy. Toy Galaxy, but now they've changed their name to Secret Galaxy for some reason. They don't just do toys. That's probably why. So they just did the it was early two thousands Turtles cartoon where they mm-hmm. were trying to get back to the darker tone of the books, and then they made them change it up at the end, and it like got real goofy, and they time traveled and all this stuff. But yeah, so that's a good show. It yeah, but good yeah, show. exactly. Like it. it was closer to the books, mm-hmm. like. People died like they it was bloody like it was they were ninjas like that was the whole thing. So I would have also said Xenoscope Robin Hood, but because they, they sometimes yeah. team up with amongst the and as much of the as much as it it's mostly eye candy on the covers, it's still some of the best some of the best writing I've read. It's it I like it. Eye candy is always good. Um, yeah the eye candy brings in the eyes and then you read the story it's like hey this is really i think we need i I can't say more eye eye candy in any comics because there's a lot of it but i was just having a conversation with another creator and he was saying there's no sex appeal in these indie comics we need to to jazz it up a little bit like you might be right a couple of covers with ace blade with a shirt off or something like that hey sad (laughs) sad as it is it brings in eyes and if that's your thumbnail on your kickstarter you're going to get more people looking at your Kickstarter. I just... It's very true. And, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Now hit us with your answer, but you're not allowed to say Ace Blade. Of course not. No. <laughs> I think so for in, super indies, like the people that are on my level, there are three titles that I tell everybody they should read. That's mm-hmm. The Surgeon, The Surgeon by Unlikely Hero Studios. This is one of my favorite indie books. There's five of them out now. There's It's Not of the Wear Spider by Greg Anderson Elise. He does more short form trades and stuff like that. And then there is The Masters of the Edge. This book right here is something totally fun and new. And I definitely tell people to check that out. But for the big indies that that people know, I actually just started reading Invincible because of the Amazon series. I had not not read any of the books before. And it has not let me down so far. So, yeah, Invincible is absolutely great. Spawn is right behind that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because people think, oh, Image, it's not Indian. It's like, technically they were. They went out on their own and yeah. tried something different. And yeah. The only two books left are that and the fin on his head. Savage Dragon. Savage Dragon, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're the only two still going. And there, there's a character that, like, continually, like, evolves <clears throat> and doesn't do the reset thing and, according to the author, will die when he dies. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I love it. What? Yeah, I, he, yeah. I just started Invincible. I don't even tell people that a lot because they're like, "Bro, you make comics? How you don't know?" I just, I think Invincible was one of those things that kind of one piece. By the time I heard about it, it was so far into it that I was yeah. like, "I can't catch up." Yeah. Now that it's over, and now that that first season really was like, "Yo, I, this is something I really would like to read." Now I'm actually reading it. So it's funny. No, he's talking about Savage Dragon, William. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a good book. I, I haven't read it in a while, but yeah. So I want to talk about indie comics, right? Because we live in this interesting time where comics, I've, I don't know if it's dying. There is people are getting Marvel fatigue. JD, you like to say that a lot. And, and I think it's true, but I also see more indie stuff being picked up by studios to be made into things. So I'm curious what people think, like what, where is the future of indie comics What's going to keep it going? Because eventually the bubble's going to burst on the big two's success with the movies, I think. And conventions will probably go back to what they used to be. 
<laughs> and I think that's going to be my opinion. I could be totally wrong. There might be a time for indies to shine a little bit more again. I like the idea of what you were saying of trying to create more contained stories where there's not a huge barrier to entry. Cause I do feel that's the, the thing holding back people jumping into Marvel and DC. Yeah, for sure. I think there because like you said, the bubble is going to pop eventually. I think one of the reasons that I started actually making comics is because I was like, okay, I know everything that I need to know about Batman at this point. I can only see uncle Ben die so many times even in the movies it was like every time they would redo spider-man up until the recent one it was like okay i gotta see uncle ben die again and i already knew this so i think especially for us older people who are into these stories we're going to be looking for new stuff to to read and, and new stories that are relating to us as we get older instead of yeah characters that never age miles is still 18 for the past six years now just I think we're going to be looking for different things. And the people that now that we're the people who are buying the things, we're going to be able to support the things that we really like. So I think indie indie comics are going to be that. There's so many different kinds of stories. Eight Billion Genies is definitely going to get picked up for something like that. That story is so cool and so different that it's definitely going to get picked up for something and people are going to enjoy it for years. What about you, J.D.? You always have a lot to say about the comic industry. <laughs> no, I think we beat the death in this kind of... Like I said, I like where the indie space is on Kickstarter right now. I'm a big digital guy. They're doing a better job of reaching new readers and different readers than mainstream comic writers than the mainstream is right now. I think that the uh, the big two have been serving the Wednesday crowd for the better part of 40 years. And uh, yeah. that number dwindles. Whereas on Kickstarter, you have a chance to create new fans <clears throat> just by putting out content and advertising on your own. I'm a big self-published guy. I'm a big bootstraps guy. So I like all these things. And people are looking for new stuff. Yeah, because it's like Danny said. It's like, how many times can you see the same, the same, was it, Batman's parents getting shot and the mm -hmm. pearls going flying? It's like, how many times do you want to see it? I, like, every time we go to the conventions, it's really cool to go through those aisles and see all the new ideas that all these different people have we pick out we every time we go there i picked out a few gems of stuff and sometimes we even review them on here and but it's different it's not the same stories over and over again and it's fun and i hopefully more people will discover that they can go to kickstarter and find these things and find yeah. these new stories and creators and help out more with the funding of them yeah and, that, and you're saying the right thing there john because it's the, the big two are ip farms and they're always going to reset the characters back to some starting point even after a big arc and it's, I hate to say it, but I've been, I haven't been collecting books for a long time. I pick them up here and there, but from the big two, but I love going into artist alley and like meeting artists, finding indie books and checking them out. Cause it's, it's something new. It's something different. Here's the thing though, is I think that there's a place for the big two books is they hire on these new voices and then they get their chance to play a cover tune, if you will, tell their stories of Batman and Superman and whatever. And then when they're done, all of a sudden they have a lot more people that know who they are. And all of a sudden their indie work gets put on a bigger stage now. Like Scott Snyder is a fantastic example of that. DC took a chance on him with American Vampire 15, 12, 15 years ago, something like that. And then yeah. they gave him Batman. And now he's one of the most prolific indie. Like, I, I don't know calling him an indie writer is fair, but he does his own thing. Right. He's got to deal with Amazon where his books come up through Amazon before they even get published. That's not possible without his run on Batman. 
So I think that is a good thing. Just as someone who reads them, like how many times can I read the same Batman story? I think there is positives to that. I don't know. I guess for me right now, I said, I keep trying to get back in and I get, I just have a hard time with it, but I like what it does for creators because it gives them a chance to have their work be exposed to people who might not find it otherwise. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say too, like with someone Scott Snyder, it's like he gave us one of the first good new villains in Batman in a long time with Hmm. the quarter vowels and Talon. And that, that sucked a lot of people in and it was really good, but that's the other thing too, right? They, like you said, a covers tune because it's like, how many times can the Joker be, or the Penguin be the main villain behind it? How many times can Doc Ock be the mind behind whatever's happening? The answer is ad ad nauseum because there's always going to be new people, the same people. They're not the same people reading these books in 1965. And there are people that do enjoy these. Like I said, then they're looking, their IP farms are a chance for Marvel and DC to figure out stuff that can go to the next level. Hey, this would make a good movie. Like I'm sure when Dan Slack came up with the idea of into the, of the spider verse, he did not foresee that as a vehicle to pr- to pr- propel Miles Morales into the cultural landscape. That's yeah. what happened though. Like these things, they do serve a purpose, but as, as a former Wednesday, as a recovering Wednesday warrior, but just the monotony of it can be a bit, can be a bit much to deal with sometimes. Yeah. But I think if you come in here and there, and if you stick to just some trades, it doesn't break you as much. I do. I think I've gone off on this a lot. I think continuity is, can be a bit of a hassle. Sometimes yeah. I really do. There's also, yeah, first you got to read the encyclopedia of continuity for the character that you're doing. Then you got to figure out which parts you can throw out without getting in trouble. But also, you cre- if you create anything new, it's owned by that IP farm. Like, they have a death grip on the rights for this stuff, which, and the deadlines, you're not, like, some. if you get hit by a deadline, you Back can't always rules. tell the story that you want. No, and that's true. And, like, you're working with, it's like, how do I not say this insulting? I was going to, you're part of a team. And the team's got to be on board with it. And as a writer for the big two, you're taking orders a lot of times. Not mm-hmm. everyone is Grant Morrison who gets to come in and say, this is what I'm going to do. Someday, maybe you're Grant Morrison and you get to do that. But it takes a long time to get to that level. Right. And that's like you said. You it's, have to get really angry before you come across Grant Morrison? Grant Morrison? <laughs> no, you're thinking okay. Alan Moore, man. Grant oh, Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. That's not an angry person <laughs> at all. Grant Morrison <laughs> is one of the most mellow, laid-back people in the world. They're awesome. Yeah, more more angry, especially young Alan Moore. But yeah, it takes a while to get to that level. It is what it's just the realities of the comic business today. And yeah. yeah. I think there's some opportunities for especially indie folks. I know Stephanie Williams, she wrote the Nubia series that came out last year. And because Nubia isn't one of the main characters that people look for in in dc but she's connected to wonder some people know about her but some people didn't but that series that she did was able to put her into the limelight people can see but she's a capable right she's a great writer and that they might want to hire her for some other stuff and now when she comes out with her own independent work she's going to have a larger audience to be able to fund her own stuff and also the stuff that she created for dc will always have her name attached to it if if any of those characters, like they brought back the, what was it? The Well of Souls for for the Island of Themyscira. Like they, all that stuff that she brought back in the continuity is pretty cool. But hmm. at the same time, she doesn't own it. So she wants to make her own thing. And now she has the audience that she can do that. Yeah. There's been quite a few people that will jump in, get to work on one of the big two, write something good and people like it. And then they'll jump back out and do their own indie book. 
after the while and that's great and as long as you can go in and add something to those 80 year long characters that people like and will hold on to yeah then you can definitely do that but some people now you're I'm trying to think of a good example i'm sure some of the people that worked on the clone saga <laughs> oh god couldn't do that yeah my mouse isn't working <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Somebody... Oh, insert blue chew ad. Uh, Greg Capullo, Greg Williams says Greg Capullo artwork doesn't hurt either. No, they were a perfect team on that Batman run in yeah. the early teen, twenty teens. Yeah, that was like a highlight of that was the highlight actually of the new Fifty Two was Snyder and Capullo Batman. Yeah, because they were allowed to do what they wanted. They already liked what they were doing, so it was like, oh, you guys just keep doing it. Yeah, they got they had a lot more they had a lot more freedom than pretty much anybody else at that time. They were lucky, and they paid off. They made they wrote good books. Or they created good books, I should say. Yep. All right. So I guess we're not going to see the indies, indies problems tonight. <laughs> what do you want to do yeah. tomorrow night, Brain? Same thing we do every night. Try to save the comic book industry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. You know what? I think this might be a good place to wrap up. So let's let's wrap up with what we always do. First, we go around and we say, we ask if you have any recommendations or... Did you learn anything on the podcast this week? And of course, Danny, you can plug all your wares and where people can find all your great books. So the floor is yours. I actually have a mainstream recommendation. I started reading Superman again after after 10 years of not reading Superman. I'd hated Superman for a long time, but they got one of my favorite <laughs> artists. <laughs> they got one of my favorite artists to do this series, Jamal Campbell. And that Superman run with him and Lex Luthor having a team up. Is pretty darn good. I'll have to say it's pretty good. I think they're on issue six right now of eight. You know, run back and get those. And I did learn something this week. Uh I did learn something on the show. I learned to be myself. So thank you. Oh, cool. Usually we get a snarky answer with that. I don't even know how to handle that. (laughs) Thank you. Wow, is that praise? What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) All right, JD. I learned shit. No, I learned that I'm very interested in Danny's work and I need to go check it out. I also, how I feel about Superman, I have not been reading the Josh Williams Superman run and perhaps that's something I need to rectify immediately. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go pick that up actually. Recommendations. I am currently reading a book called Blood and Fire. It's the history of a pro wrestler called The Sheik from the 1950s and 60s in Detroit. And it freaking rules. This is one of the best biographies I've ever read. It's absolutely the sheik was a maniac and it's awesome. So again, this is someone that says, Hey, I think you'll like this book. You love wrestling. Check this out. So (laughs) I have been, and I'm like, this is absolutely fantastic. I'm about to wade my, about to wade my toes into trying a nonfiction book of my own. So this has been, it's a different, it's a different kind of nonfiction book and I'm really enjoying it. And what I like too, is the writer does the read of the audio book, which I like because too often Writers don't read their audiobooks, and yeah. sometimes people don't do pronunciations of names and stuff like that. It always takes me out of the moment. So, having an author read his own work, I think, is pretty cool. So, I'm digging on that. So, yeah, Blood and Fire. That's my recommendation. Cool. John. So, I watched this Justice League X Ruby. How was that? It was actually really good. Put out by DC. It's a crossover between Justice League and Ruby, R W B Y. Wow. from Rooster Teeth. Yeah. And it's interesting because it, it in the continuity of Ruby, it actually happens in a specific place. And this is part one 
So there will be a part two, apparently. And I don't, it, there's no release date for it yet, but I can't wait to see it. It was actually done really well. It was, and the, the thing is, if you want to watch it, you have to know something about the world that of the, the world that Ruby's in. And because there are different rules and when the hero, when the Justice League ports into there, they take on those characteristics, which makes it really interesting. And I can't wait to see because I'm sure the next one is going to be the Ruby characters going into the DC universe. And that will be interesting given that what their powers are and how they normally work. So, yeah. So I recommend it. It, The storyline was very good. Pulls out a pretty decent villain. And I think it's going, I think it actually might affect the current DC animated universe as well, the movie side. So it's literally in their continuity as well. Like I said, I love crossovers when they're, when they're good and done by people I know. The other thing is I'm going to watch this over the next week. So I've heard it's actually not good from a couple well, of different people. Yeah. I don't know. Like every once in a while, like it used to be DC animated stuff was like just the best regularly kicking Marvel's ass. Now they've been hit and miss. Like the yeah. Justice League Dark was awesome. Batman Ninja. Uh, <laughs> just don't even I, go there. My my other show, my podcast partner then who's not a comic guy, watched that particular movie and he loved it. He thought it was great. I had Ninja? to explain no, not Ninja, the one you had the Doom that came to Gotham. Oh yeah. Uh, he had no idea who Lovecraft was. Okay. So he was like, oh, it's like horror Batman. It's really cool. And so I had to break it down a little bit for him, which is weird to do in a wrestling show. But I explained to him like like what it was and what cosmic horror was and all that kind of stuff because he was so completely foreign to him. But he really thought it was awesome. Okay. So I haven't watched it. I've just heard from a couple of different people. It wasn't as good as some of the other stuff they put out. Yeah, I think she was so different. So yeah. maybe... Are those streaming or are they on Max or are they just on Blu-ray? They're on Max. That's how my friends saw it. Yeah, Max now, not HBO Max. HBO is dead. Long live Max. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't. I always get the Blu-ray though because because look at how the streaming is. They just changed the Max, but who knows what will happen next. And and we have gotten to the point where a lot of the streaming places, a lot of the streaming services are starting to pull stuff off now. Very true. They're starting to get the idea. They should have read from Disney's playbook. You put something out there and then you take it away and then you say, oh, we're going to debut it at this day for for a couple of weeks and drive those subscriptions like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard Disney's pulling stuff off people aren't watching. Yeah. Go figure. There is a limit to how much you can make available for streaming. Yeah. There's a cost benefit analysis that's going on now. They used to think, oh, we'll just make everything available and it'll drive all these subscriptions because these people go in, they have all this stuff. I also think when it's too cluttered with everything that they've ever made, people have a hard time finding what they really want to watch. Depends on the interface. Netflix, pretty good. Amazon Prime, oh my God, you can't find anything on that. I feel the same way about Disney Plus sometimes when I look old uh just cartoons and stuff it's hard to find what do i want to watch there so. there's a new season of mystery science theater 3000 <clears throat> after it dropped off of netflix they made another seat another season from a kickstarter it's on amazon prime i cannot for the life of me find all the episodes of it wow yeah. like it just and this is so anyway all right i'm taking too long i will report back on doom that came to gotham next week so i will say First off, if you're watching right now and you're not subscribed, please click that subscribe button. 
click that bell for notifications so you will not miss us when we go live on Sunday nights. I will also make an announcement to remind people who don't know because we haven't said anything about it yet. We will, John and I, will be at Fan Expo Philadelphia this coming weekend. So if you see us walking around, come up and say hi to us. We love meeting our fan. And uh, Okay, fan. The one fan. What's up, Bob? <laughs> What's up, Bob? Good old Bob. Actually, I, um, Tim told me he's trying to get into New York this year. Oh, good so for him. Be, Hope he does. Yeah. So that should be good. Let's see. Recommendations. Recommendations. Do I have any recommendations? I will recommend, like I always do, that you go to SuperheroSpeak.com where you can find the podcast every week. Links to all our social media at the top of the page. And, of course, comic reviews by our good friend Chris and so much more. And I'm going to recommend, this is, I should have told you guys earlier, make sure to cross the Spider-Verse because that is what we will be talking about on next week's episode. Oh, wow, um, that's this weekend. Wow, I forgot that was coming out this weekend. Yeah, wow. it's Thursday, June 1st. Yeah, so make sure you check that out. And as always, thanks for listening, and don't let your kid go out the door. Have a good week.